this morning, uh, we're, we're continuing in our thinking, in our study about following in his steps. First John chapter two, verse six. Uh, you don't need to turn there, but we're gonna, cause we're gonna be in another passage. But first John two six, that's our springboard for what we're doing here this Sunday, what we did last Sunday, what we're gonna do in the Sundays ahead till Easter. 1 John 2.6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. That's what we're trying to do here in this thinking, in our study. We say that we're in him. We say that we're a Christian. We say that we're walking in the light. So walk in the same manner as he walked. And so um, here in this time, this month, we're not able to just get to every detail about it. But we do want to hit on some major issues. By the way, this week, have you been tempted at all? Yes. And that's why we are looking at this particular one, following in his steps into the wilderness. In the wilderness of temptation. You and I face it all the time. And some, you know, kind of get through it better than others. But I I would sure like to think that by the time I reach 60, I'd be done with it. I guess not, right? Those of you that are over 60, you know. (laughs) Um, That's a long way away, by the ways. So, Mike, yeah. Okay. So, that's not that far. Anyway. We face it all the time. And young people, it's going to be more intense and more um, more of a concern there. It's, It's a concern for everyone. But it's especially we want to encourage you young people because of the the potential there for walking in a wise way, walking in a wise pathway or following after your own desires. Okay? So what we want to do is consider... The passage in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and we're not going to approach this like here's a here's an outline of Luke chapter 4 and go through these verses. But what I want to do is touch on ways that Jesus helps us and the Word of God helps us in handling and overcoming the temptations because it's interesting that Jesus did go out into the wilderness And was tempted by the devil. And you know what? There's there's just an amazing kind of a setup here with this passage in Luke chapter. He, uh, for some reason, Luke jumps from here's the baptism of Jesus, which he didn't have to do that other than to associate with mankind. That's why Jesus was baptized to associate that he was fully man. He had no sin to repent of. But he chose to be baptized to associate with you and I. And then the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm, what? Well pleased. And so here's the start of Jesus' ministry. And then for some reason, Luke takes off and goes on this genealogy thing. And Luke, you know, Luke is going from... He's going at it backwards. It's like, what? Why is that? 
We're going to find that out at the end here. So I'll leave that hanging for right now, okay? But it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led about. Other versions, other gospel accounts say he was driven by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness, okay? For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they had ended, he became hungry. Now, that's something that you and I can't really relate to. You know, we're not facing temptation, you know, after, you know, 40 days of no food and water, you know, that kind of thing. But nonetheless, we are facing it all the time. And some of us don't understand why we're struggling, why we're spinning our wheels. But I'm saying there's a value here in understanding about temptation so that we won't um, continue spinning our wheels, so to speak. That we can get walking with, with the Lord in our lives, walking by faith with Him. So I believe that what we have here is you know, some helps that God gives us as we consider this passage about his temptation and um, how we can now put it into action in our lives. So, point number one. Point number one is, again, it's not so much coming from this verse or from this passage but it is an overarching truth nonetheless. Number one is affirm God's purposes. Regarding temptation, that Christians, those who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, that you will affirm God's purposes in it. Now, the idea is something that needs some definition. Sometimes we think of temptation as, oh, I'm going to fall. Oh, it's temptation. I'm going to... Oh, it's so tough. It's this. In this story with Jesus, it wasn't so much temptation as it was testing. And here's why I say that. It goes back to the person being tested. God put out His statement saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And now He's driven out by who? The Spirit of God. He's driven out by the Spirit of God led by the Spirit of God un, into the wilderness to be tempted for 40, you know, in that, in that time period. And yet Jesus, listen to me, could not sin. And we need to understand that. Jesus could not sin. And He chose to go in. He was led by the Spirit to go into the wilderness to be tempted and, you know, a lot of times we, we think of this passage like, oh, Jesus was under such pressure. Yes, he was, because why? Here's no food. And humanly speaking, his body was going without food. You know, I haven't tried that. Have you? <laughs> Maybe you have. But there's a discipline behind this. There's a discipline that he's showing us. But we, in, in reading about these different, this passage and other related passages, we need to take this and say, let's affirm God's purpose for this in this area of our lives. When we get tested, because we, we can get tested every day of our lives. So when we do, let's start with this. Let's affirm God's purposes 
for this. Is God sovereign in our lives? Is He in control? And if He is, which I believe He is in control, I don't understand it all. We, I've said that before. I, you and I, we don't understand it all of how He could be in control. But the Scriptures tell us God is a sovereign God. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is over all of creation. He allows things to happen, which you and I maybe can't compute it, but He allows that to happen. And so, letter A, we've got to really determine, is this tempting or testing going on? Now, for Jesus, we say it was testing. You know what? For us, it's a lot of times it's mostly tempting because we don't have... So, you know, the the discipline factor is really lacking with us. So a lot of times the opportunity comes up and uh, it's like, well, is it tempting? Is it testing? Most of the time for me, for you, it's tempting because of what? What's the difference between me and Jesus? Between you and Jesus? He could not sin and his his nature, his very nature was that of God in the flesh. Thus, there's the incarnation, right? God in the flesh. There he is. He was a, he was a man, fully man, fully God. Yet there, and there's the mystery. And he, internally, there wasn't anything to cause temptation for him. Okay? When you and I get tempted, what is it? Yes, I've got a sinful nature. You've got a sinful nature. You say, but I'm a Christian and Jesus lives inside of me. But there's still, that doesn't eradicate the issue of your sin nature. It's still there. You still struggle. Romans chapter 7, right? Here's the struggle. I want to do right, but I end up doing wrong. Okay? So, when you and I get tempted, you know, it... It's something that doesn't take much to get us to go off course. And as James says, to bite that little hook that's been baited. Because that's how James describes temptation. Is that it's like, here's the, the bait. And because of the internal nature that we have, we're bent towards sin. We kind of lean towards that, you know. And so we go off getting tempted. And it's something that, again, young people have certain temptations that you're dealing with because you're experiencing life and here it comes at us. Older folks, it's like we don't experience necessarily the same temptations, but it's all there. We still experience so much of it. So, we need to remember that God is allowing whatever is coming out as a test. Can we, can we take it as a test? Or are we going to divert and say, oh... This looks good. I'm going to go after it. And there I, I end up being enticed by the temptation. When I can remember, here's, here's God testing us. Whether it's this little issue or a big issue in our lives. If I can remember, here's God allowing a test. The response is to keep my eyes focused on Him. Here's the Word of God. Here's our faith in Him. We want to learn and grow in these things so that we can keep saying, I... I got my eyes fixed on him. Now, having said that, that's real easy, isn't it? Easy to say. God's wanting to develop strength in your life so that you'll really do it. So it won't be just a, another little, cute little trivia in your head, but that you'll do it. There'll be actually transformation happening when temptations come up 
And you'll, you'll say, no, because I know God's word tells me this, that I need to keep walking in this pathway and pursuing him and honoring him. Letter B, is it stumbling or strengthening? There's kind of a, a similar thing. Is it tempting or testing? Letter A, or is it B, uh, stumbling or strengthening? If you do not see God's hand in it, as here's a test of faith, then quite likely there'll be stumbling going on in your life as a Christian. Do you like seeing a little child getting on the bike and continuing to fall, continuing to fall, you know? No, you want to help him, you know? But there's still that business of he's got to learn, or she's got to learn about going on that bike on their own and gaining their balance, okay? Similarly, you know, in our walk in life, Christian, no matter how old we are or young we are, it's a matter of that thing. I've got to get on the bike and I've got to, you know, here I go, I'm going to learn. I'll keep learning and I'll keep, you know, and finally I get that balance. And there it is, you know, with our walk with the Lord. Your, your sights are set on Christ in, in front to grow in maturity in your faith. Okay. So um, the more that you and I can affirm God's purposes throughout all that's going on in life, because you know what? You come in these doors Sunday after Sunday and, and I know there's all sorts of issues going on in your life. All sorts of things happening. You know, it's not just about this situation or that. There's all sorts. God can be trusted. God is God, not my little image of some, you know, heavenly man, grandfather up there in the skies. <laughs> He's God. Okay? He, he calls you and I as His children to trust Him for what's going on. So that we might grow in faith. Be strong in that. Okay? Alright, number two. We've got to move on here. Number two is uh, that we obviously be alert to the entrapments. Alert to the entrapments. Entrapments are those things that would purposely want to lure us away. Just like a fish out of his little uh, hiding place. To lure that fish out and snag it and draw it in and go cook it and eat it. Well, my friend, in a much more dastardly way, (laughs) the enemy of God wants to cause you to be drawn out, to be baited and hooked and cooked. (laughs) And I don't need to go very far in referring to the fact that you or you or you or me... You know, we've been there, we've taken the bite, and we've been burned. Because we've succumbed to the temptation. So we've got to be alert to the different entrapments that Satan designs to cause this enticement to actually happen. Okay? And really, this very thing points out that we truly do, truly do have a sinful nature because I am, you are, we are all drawn in, in those, or attracted or enticed in certain ways. Some more than others, some in different ways, but nonetheless, they're there. To cause us to really zero in on this thought, letter A is, there's past victims. Past victims of this very thing. Scripture is full of examples of past victims. 
And we only need to really cover two. There's all, all sorts, but two of them in particular pop out. Obviously, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, there it is. God told them this, and then the enemy comes along and entices them, causing there to be doubt, and then goes along and saying, you know, here it is. Hath God really said this? Bringing about doubt. And Eve, in the, in the passage in Genesis 6, Eve saw that it was good. I'm sorry, it's Genesis 3. Genesis 3. She saw that it was good. What the enemy was dangling in front of her. She saw that it was good. It was a delight to her eyes. It was desirable to make one wise. So she took, she ate, and then she what? Gave to Adam. Adam took a bite. The point isn't so much, here's the fruit. It's just a bite. The point is what God had said. And thus, here's the enemy, Satan, coming along, deceiving God's people, Adam and Eve. Okay? And then, along with Adam and Eve, there's King David, obviously, um, falling to the beauty of a woman that he saw bathing at nighttime, and he called upon her, and thus, not just the adultery, but then the murder that followed because of David's effort to cover up his, his initial sin. And there's, you know what, folks, with both of those, just those two instances alone, think of the severe consequences that came upon him. Those, I know, I realize those are kind of basic, but I think these, these are two high profile examples. And both knew better. Both of them knew better, but they were caught with the thinking. Well, it's no big problem. It's only a little bite. Can you, can you see that being said or hear that being said? Just a little bite. <laughs> no. That's humanism sneaking in, right? Um, David, you know, what he might have been caught thinking. Well, no one's looking. And you know what? I've, I've mentioned that probably before in a message or two. I've, I've heard that being said by people. No one's looking. So then we're saying that God can't see? Now, wait a minute. Isn't God, you know, He's omniscient and He's omnipresent and He, you know, He's all-seeing, right? Are we limiting God here just for our convenience at the moment when we are saying, well, I've been caught in sin, but all those kind of things. we got to remember, here's who God is. And the more we say, here's who God is, according to the Bible, the better off we're going to be in responding to the, the, all the things happening, all the temptations that can come about. So, um, we have to recognize that a lot of the things going on in this life, it's not that it's so overt and crazy. A lot of the things, listen, a lot of the things we face as temptations, they're very what? Very subtle. Very subtle. Um, so, Jesus, though, was not a victim like these others were. Jesus was not a victim. Uh, just mentioning this reference, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been 
tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 Well, there's the past victims that we can learn from. By the way, if you just mark down, if, you, if you're taking notes, mark down 1 Corinthians 10.11-13. through 13. 1 Corinthians 10.11-13 There's that passage where they're saying, Here, these things are written so that you'll learn. And then it says, beware, take heed, lest you think you stand and you're... You're going to fall. And then it goes into verse 13. No temptation has taken you, but such as is what? Common to man. And God will make a way of escape. God who is faithful, he'll make a way of escape so that you'll endure. So we've got to be alert to the entrapments and watch out. You know, others have shown an example, past victims. But letter B is ongoing targets. The ongoing targets are Christians. You and I, if you say you're a believer in Christ, we're the ongoing targets of this allurement, of this enticement. And Satan's strategy is he takes aim to entice Christians to, quote, take a bite. Okay? And he, he, what he does is, we've seen it in Genesis 3, we see it in, in, um, in this story here of Christ's temptation. And we see it also in 1 John chapter 2, where he uses that strategy. Here's the, three, the three-pronged strategy, lust of the what? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There, it's, there his strategy is wrapped up in that. And you know that if you are facing temptation, one of those is being hit at you, is being directed at you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it doesn't take much. If we're not trained, listen, if we're not trained in the things of God's Word, it doesn't take much for us to be tempted and then stumble and fall. But the more you and I are spending time in the Word to see what God has for us, His righteous way, His ways, then you can say, you know what? I've endured. Thanks be to God, I've endured. So, Another main feature of the temptation here in Luke chapter 4 is this. Let's look real quickly at these temptations. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 3. And the devil said to him, you can translate this either way. It says, if you are or since you are the son of God. Satan did not back off from acknowledging the truth of who Christ was. Interestingly. He says, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, or if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. And Jesus answered him and said, notice what he said, he didn't rebuke Satan for saying what he said. He didn't disacknowledge it. He, he kept right on. So obviously, you know, it sounds like Satan could have given him what he offered. But Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the last one, you know, Satan brings him up led him up to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
For it is written, He will give His angels charge concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the, the Lord your God to the test. Okay? Here it is. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. It's there. Here's what you can do. And, and through it all, here's, here's the string, the weaving going through all this scenario right here. It's this. Jesus, just do what you want to do. Do what you would like to do. You don't need to worry about God and His will for your life. You do what would feel good. You do what would look good. And especially if you get up on the pinnacle of the temple and launch yourself off, wouldn't that look good? Especially because the angels of God are going to come and rescue you. That'd look really cool. And just think of all the followers you'd have. Because if you did that, wow, everyone would be just really wowed. Folks, Jesus had that very problem without even launching himself off the pinnacle of the temple. He had people just wowed because of the miracles. He wasn't concerned over that. He knew that that would happen. They were going after some big show. And God doesn't want you going after some big show, some big spectacle that's really cool. He wants you going after His Son. And that's not um, all about fun and games. That's about living your life for Christ and turning away from yourself, denying yourself, take up your cross daily and what? Follow me. Okay? So, we need to understand that. Number three is the helps that we get in dealing with temptation is number three is apply the disciplines. Apply the disciplines that we see Christ demonstrating Christ demonstrated that he responded with the word of God. He said, it is written, it is written. That's very basic. Every one of us can see that. But most of the time when temptation comes, you're not ready to respond with the word of God on your heart and on your mind. Because your eyes are so focused on this world and on the things of this world, and you get locked in and say, well, wouldn't hurt. No one's watching. And so, it's so easy to fall into temptation. Big things or little things. So, applying the disciplines, we say, well, in this way, um, number one, eliminate. What's there to eliminate? And number two, what's there to embrace? And that just opens up for us this um, New Testament principle of putting on or putting off. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. That's what Paul writes in Colossians. Okay? And this is a discipline. And you know what? The majority of you folks in this room, you've been here, done that. You've you've heard this. You know this. But guess what? It still comes back to this. Put off and put on. Put off, put on. Because you still have the sin nature that you wake up with every day of your life and say, God help me not to give in. God help me not to um, be in charge, my, the captain of my own soul, but help me to trust you with what I face today. And so 
there are things that you eliminate and you have to keep doing that. It's a discipline. Okay? Uh, wrestlers know that. They gotta eliminate weight and stay at their weight in wrestling. And so they eliminate certain foods in their diet and, and then they embrace the rigors of their, their sport. Okay? So, what do we put off? What are some things that we eliminate? What are your attitudes like on a regular, ongoing basis? What's your attitude temperature like? Do you wake up and, and is it like... And you've got a right to... But the, see, that's an attitude that's been trained and you're letting it. You're letting it go. So, what's, is there something to eliminate there? You bet. Get rid of that, you know, just say, God, I need to get rid of these attitudes. I need to get rid of excuses. Been there, done that? I've got excuses why I didn't do this or didn't do that. Um, it's just the way I am. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. And then turn around and tell me I'm a sinner. Because <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's just the, the way I am. Well, yeah, you're a sinner. So are you. So what are you going to do? Here's what God's told us and, and taught us and laid out for us in His Word. Here's the leading of the Spirit of God to lead us into ways that, you know, the greener pastures, right, that, that God would have for us. Don't use the excuse, oh, that's just the way I am. You don't understand. That's just the way I am. Or I can't help it. Well, maybe at the time you couldn't help it. But don't keep using that excuse. You've got to press on to, it's a matter of pressing on. What Paul said in Philippians 3, I press on to what? To know Him better and better. Okay? Get rid of the old habits. You know, eliminate old habits that you know are, are hurting you you know, are, are dragging you down. Those are discipline issues, folks. It's not just, okay, I'll, I'll go get rid of that old habit because it's not that easy. It's hard. But see, that's the, what's formed in you and me as we allow it. So thus, eliminate those things, work at it, and then embrace what? Embrace the, the new nature. Embrace His Word in your heart. Treasure His Word in your heart. Psalm 119, 9 and 11. Treasure that word of God. Keep the, you know, that it's that image of keeping the believer's armor on. The breastplate of righteousness. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit. The shield of faith. Keep the armor on in that way. Keep walking in faith. Don't, you know, if there's nothing big going on, don't say, oh, I, I can kind of take it easy today. No, keep pressing on to say, no, today I want to be ready. Because I don't want to fall in temptation. I don't want to be hooked and drawn away. Um, remember the way of escape. And the easiest way to remember, what's the way of escape? There's Joseph in prison. Not in prison, I'm sorry, with, in Potiphar's house. And Joseph took the way of escape. Get out of there! Get! Run! Flee! All too many of us we think, ah, it won't matter. I can handle this. And we sit there. Guys, sitting in front of the, 
the internet. Allowing images to hit you. Don't sit there. Don't even go there. That, I'm not, I don't have a list of things that we're gonna get real hard hitting on, but that is one, guys. Because that will topple and crush a family. So, be on your guard, men. We all know this. It's like the guy just has the, you know, the cartoon figures? You know, it's the, the coyote and his eyes come popping out of his face. Well, there's a lot of truth to that because that's the tendency of a guy. He's just led about by what? The lust of the eyes. Ooh, that looks good. And that's how we work. That's what, how we're built. We're kind of built that way. And so, ladies, here's a help for the guys. How are you dressing? How do you dress? And I know that it's not so much, you know, a major issue here, but, you know, maybe it's your, you know, someone that you know, helping that woman to dress in a way that's more appropriate so that guys don't fall by looking at her. Embrace what Joseph did. Joseph could have said, hey, no one's looking. Potiphar's gone. He's got a hot wife. No one's looking. No big deal. It'd be a quick fling. All those kind of rationalizations. But Joseph was saying, no, I want God's best. I know what to do, but I'm, I'm out of here. God bless that example and God help us to follow that example. Feed the new. Feed the new nature. Starve the old nature. Starve it. Cut it off. Don't, don't support the old nature thing at all. Cut it off and, and feed the new nature with the word, with fellowship, with witnessing, your study, all those kinds of things. And finally, number four, it's a matter of access the victory. Folks, it's already been accomplished. You don't have to add, say, oh, I gotta do this to help with the victory in my life. No. The victory is already taking place with Christ dying being buried and rising again. There is the victory. Now, it's a matter of you and I, how, would he, how do we access that victory? It's already yours by faith in Christ. And you can have victory by, you know, how you're responding to the things of life, the temptations and all. Listen, Christ could not have sinned. He did not sin. He even turned to the religious officials and said, have I, you know, can any of you accuse me of any wrongdoing? And no one could. No one could. Because he was sinless. That's why Jesus succeeded. He stood firm. And Jesus, this is cool. Jesus didn't have to flee Satan. You know why? Because Jesus is stronger than Satan. Jesus is stronger. And so, here's why Luke... And remember I said, here's the way that Luke injected this genealogy in chapter 3. Here's why. He went backwards. And who did Luke end with in his genealogy? Adam. For the reader, we need to understand the first Adam succumbed. The first Adam failed and he sinned. And now here comes the Scripture says it. 
Here comes the second Adam. And the second Adam is Jesus. He's God's son. Adam was God's son. God spoke directly to Adam saying, you know, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't eat that. Jesus came. The second Adam and the second Adam showed. Here's the victory of God. And that's what you and I need to cling to in our day. Here's our, here's our um, affirming God's purpose in our life. It's through Christ and what he accomplished, his victory. Christ was and always will be superior to Satan, stronger than Satan. Okay? Now, would you please, I'm going to jump down here or walk down here the communion table and while I do turn to Mark chapter 3 Mark chapter 3 and here's our transition to our communion time Mark chapter 3 has one particular verse that I I want you to zero in on lock in on and understand Mark chapter 3 Verse 22, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, Oh, he's possessed by Beelzebul. He casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. Well, that's an, that's an attack on the nature of Christ. Okay? And Jesus called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. And he said, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Satan has risen up against himself and is divided. He cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. My friend, who's the strong man here? It's Satan. Satan is the strong man. And the strong man has to be bound, tied, so that what? The plunderer will come and do his work. Jesus is the plunderer here, folks. Jesus is the one who came, tied down the enemy, the strong man, who had people in bondage to their sin. And Jesus came and showed that he's the victor. He's the champion. Okay, And really, that's what it boils down to right here. Is that because of what Jesus did, you can have that, you know, you enjoy the right relationship with God. You've been reconciled to God. In your relationship, you've been reconciled to Him through faith in Christ. And thus, when we come to this time, every first Sunday of the month, here we are. We remember what He did. We, we humble ourselves. We, we say that He is holy. He is righteous. And Jesus is sufficient. Jesus came and He conquered. Satan had no, you know, Satan knew certain things, but he didn't know everything. He's not om- omniscient. But Jesus was able to stand there and say, it's written. And He didn't get swayed to, to get separated from the will of God in these things. So we can have confidence in Christ. Like for the men to come at this time that are helping to serve.